This week on Retronauts, we take on the world. Dun, 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 dun. Hey everybody, it's me, Bob Mackey, your host of Retronauts for episode 57. Today's topic is Day of the Tentacle, celebrating its 20th-ish anniversary. Uh, (laughs) Let me introduce my cast for today, who's to my right. Uh, One-up editor, Marty Sliva. And uh, we also got a few guys in off the streets, and I would like them to introduce themselves. Uh, This is Dave Grossman. And who is is Dave Grossman? Uh, I am one of the of Day of the Tentacle. Nice. uh, purposes of this podcast and who is the other guy next to him dave always goes first because he's the oldest <laughs> point that again i'm tim schaefer awesome and who's tim schaefer i work for tell dave. the world <laughs> dave and i uh, were the uh, co-project leads on day of the tentacle nice and today uh this Nearly took 20 years ago many weeks Almost. of planning but we finally got them together in the same room mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> we're going to be talking about day of the tentacle for the entire hour of our podcast so, in case you guys at home uh, you know don't know, we better start at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> in case you guys don't know, uh, Day of the Tentacle came out in June of 1993 for MS DOS and the Mac, I believe. There's a Mac version. It was the eighth Scum Engine game, uh, the second talkie from LucasArts. And um, basically, these two guys, no? Not true. No, That's not first, true? First talkie ever. First yeah. talkie. What about we the. Always, we always we were under the impression it was the very first. Quote unquote, talkie game. My research yeah, told me Fate of Atlantis to, uh, was the first, but Fate of Atlantis. Hal <laughs> Barwood's ghost. Oh, is he with us? Hal. <laughs> He's alive. But I, I was pretty sure he was still alive. So yeah, okay. I guess it was the first talkie. He's alive. Either way, you guys are pretty close. So um, basically, let's start at the beginning. I wanted to know how this project initially came together and uh, how much input did Ron Gilbert have on your initial uh, concept. He left LucasArts um, around the time you guys were pitching this game or around the time this project started. Who? Uh, Ron Gilbert. <laughs> was he the guy, the him. dig guy? Was he the dig guy? Um, <laughs> no, no, no. He was that guy who always had a monkey with him everywhere he went. Um, and that's that's, and, that's and a common problem these days. Call Brad. That's terrible. <laughs> Play Brad. Uh... Taylor. Oh, he actually Brad asked Taylor. a question. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, uh, so, so do you remember that period after Monkey 2? Vaguely, yeah. We we uh, we needed something to do. We were going to do a project, you and I, together. Yeah. yeah you two yeah. were uh, we, promoted. We made these, these, these Monkey Island games with, with that Ron guy that you just mentioned. Yeah, Ron Gilbert was like our... If you, I always think of it as like the mafia mm-hmm. that was less shooting. <laughs> and he was... And that, at that point, after um, we had worked with him on Monkey 1 and 2, he, he told whoever, you know... Whoever was the important at the time that we were now made made men. That's right. And then we become project leaders. Mm, I think yeah. that's, it that's seems how it like works. how he put it. He was kind of like, yeah, I think Tim and Dave were ready to run a project or and, two, and one or two. It, it, just was, it was like a like a double O license kind of you know license. To <laughs> and I'm trying to remember if we ever what we considered doing, or if it was just immediately, hey, do a sequel to Maniac Mansion, because it was always tough to come up with your next project. It was always like a big. That oh was god! Always a big thing. And yeah. so, uh, did we ever? And I don't I think we ever spent any time at us. Right up at the beginning, it was like, "Hey, was that a response to us?" How to, and and it's one of these things where it's like, you know, this is not a mandate, but how would you guys like to do 
a sequel to Maniac Mansion. Is this something they've been thinking about for a while, or did they wait for you guys to sort of achieve the project lead uh, status to well, this, that's what I'm trying bestow to get it upon you? Because it's all kind of a blur, in that we finished Monkey 2, and then at some point someone said, probably Ron, hey, you want to do a sequel to Maniac Mansion, but did we ever pitch our own games right after M2, Monkey 2? No, I don't think we pitched anything else at that time. It like, so it wasn't like an insulting said, yeah, response sure, to a like pitch. Fun. Like, let's, um, I want to do this game. And then they said, oh, that's a great game. How about you do Monkey um, uh, Main no. Vision 2? No, no, no. <laughs> no they, they suggested it, and I think we both yeah. thought it sounded thought like it was, a good idea. Cool. So we just went for it. In a panic. Never any disagreement. Then, then, of course, the next part of the process was, okay, so if you're going to make this game, what exactly is the game going to be? Yeah. You, but Ron did have a document. It was like a two-pager. Two or seven page. Yeah. And how close was that a, to uh, what eventually became Day of the Tentacle? It had the time travel concept in it. Okay. Do you remember this doc? No, I, I remember him pitching that verbally. It was the kids, he had a little doc, and it was like a two-pager about the kids going back to the mansion, and um, something about time travel. I don't know if he had the thing about Purple Tentacle mutating and growing hands or anything. I should find that no, doc. I should no, find that I, I can put that it up our, just because I, I haven't heard from the LucasArts lawyers in a long time. I, I miss them, so I think I'll put they that up. They have the what, huh? What's that? <laughs> Wait, when you say the kids, was it the uh, three kids that we have now in the game, or was it... It was uh, like the like something like the original um, six, mm-hmm. seven, yeah, cause the, yeah, nine, nine kids. I should know this. Seven. There was like you can you edit this later to make it sound like I totally knew how many kids were in there? I just always forget. Our original doc had six players. We had six. We were gonna have six, hmm. and then we realized that we wanted to sleep in. <laughs> yeah. Really, just lazy. We we're like, oh, six. You know, six sounds like more. You know, it sounds like less work than six. Three. Three. Nice. So Three it was like that Clinton era yeah. apathy that gave us uh, <laughs> three characters. Yeah, and well, because we had to do, you know, Maniac mentioned the the graphics were um, simpler, and so I think having multiple characters was less impactful. Let's say on the production expenses mm-hmm. and time right yeah. and now we're doing like ron's doing it did the cave and, and had that multiple characters thing now nowadays when characters are fully you know articulated and they all have to have their own personality when they walk and their own way of falling off a ladder you know it's like everything you do is multiplied by the number of characters you have then uh, also squared mm-hmm. so yeah. so i'm just saying it was easier for ron with maniacs so we just decided to make it our, uh, a little easier yeah so Data Tentacle would be one of the last LucasArts games to be released both in floppy and then uh, the talky CD-ROM format. Um, did you guys have a hard limit on how large the game could be? And uh, does this limit yeah, restrict any of your initial ideas? Do you remember? To space. Yeah, because uh, I remember this very vividly because we, we, um, we got to the winner and uh, we made the decision to uh, not release for Christmas but instead make the game a talky. That was like yeah. a, a, a decision that we made midstream. Like, oh, people have a bunch of these CD-ROM things now, and you can make games talk, and mm-hmm. let's do that with our game. And so that process kind of <laughs> diverged, right? And I think you were mostly yeah. managing what was going on with uh, uh, the CD version, whereas... Did we split it? I don't remember splitting that. Sort of. I mean, we did all the casting and everything, yeah. uh, but then there was a bunch of just kind of minutiae that had to be managed, and you did that. You don't remember, but you did. And, uh, <laughs> wow. And meanwhile, I was... How could I forget minutia? I had to make sure that the uh, that the floppy disk version fit on six floppy disks. Oh, that does sound like something I'd forget uh, too. And I spent hours and hours at my desk just, like, trying to trim stuff out, and I was, like... Cutting uh, my dialogue. Taking, taking sounds. And I was cutting all your dialogue oh. out of the game and <laughs> taking the sounds and recompressing them at lower rates and... And wait, uh, is that... Brian Riarty at some point did write a sound compression utility for one of us. 
Was that during no, Divot? I didn't have a utility. I just had a little... Uh, Hero Look extra compressor either. that would, like, extra compress sound. No? Yeah, you know, uh, is that later? That right and later? I didn't get that. Hmm. That would have helped. But anyway, I, I managed to just barely squeeze it onto the six discs, and then we had a German version, and just because of the length of the text, uh, yep. it immediately went over and it's on seven. I think we shipped it on seven discs in Germany. Yeah. Hmm. But that's like, I mean, each disc is what, 1.44 megabytes? Right? Mm -hmm. That's still a tiny, tiny game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, talking more about the, I guess, the addition of sound, because this was the first LucasArts game to be a talkie then? I know there was first, the Fate of Atlantis. What's that? First game ever. First game Total ever. Talkie. Like every line of dialogue in the game was voiced. Yeah. Uh, how did that, that? How did that affect your writing process? Just because now you would be writing with the idea that someone would be, would be saying the, every line that you wrote. Almost yeah. did that affect the process of how you wrote? Because the, thing was the game was basically written. By yeah, the and that was the great. That. The great thing about this game is the way that it happened. Like Dave was saying, it was actually done mostly. At least alpha, almost done. And then we decided to go and do voice. So it's like, oh, yeah, sure, the script's wrapped. Let's record it. And ever since then, it's been like, well, you're doing a voice as you're doing the game. So you've got to, like, lock the dialogue, um, you know, six months before you ship. And that was always really stressful because in the Monkey Island 1 and 2, we were changing text, like, the day before we shipped, it seemed like. like yeah. Adding jokes. Like, just like the day, like, right before we made the final discs. And so that, of course, Which sounds was, ludicrous that, now. Actually, that was... What? I, I miss that creative process of like, yeah, you have all the way till the game ships to keep <laughs> mm -hmm. adding stuff. Like, do you think people will get this? Let's add one more hand, you know? Yeah. And, um, but yeah. Tentacle has, though, because of that, like, has kind of a weird cadence since we didn't, like, we were writing for you read it and you hear it in your head as mm -hmm. opposed to you write. You, like, it sounds like Shakespearean dialogue, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Basically, Shakespeare. <laughs> Basically. Everyone is soliloquizing. <laughs> but, did, but did, like, certain phrases change once uh, the addition of voice actors came in? Because I know both of us uh, replayed it over the weekend, and, and the uh, the voices are verbatim to the text, if I'm not mistaken. God, have you started doing natural language text changes yet? You know, where, like, someone... Nowadays, like, Melina, someone like that will, like... you know, She would, like, listen to every line of dialogue in the game, look at the text, and be like, that doesn't... And change the text to match the voice after mm -hmm. we get it back. Because actors always change words here and there. And did we do that back then? We must have. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. That wasn't me. I must have forgotten it because it was minutia. <laughs> <laughs> right. complex was the planning for a day of the tentacle compared to other adventure games you guys have worked on um was it this game it's it's not a non-linear game because i mean you're all re working towards the same goal but you can do things in different sorts of orders and i don't think um adventure games today are not that ambitious and it, it was pretty rare back then too for an adventure game to take that sort of form and it seems like an especially difficult design to uh, get right did you guys find this to be an especially complicated game to put together uh, we didn't have a lot of experience. I mean, compared to the other one, it was still. I, I think of it as like. Um, I think it was last time I hadn't we had an easy time making a game, even though it wasn't that easy. But it was like every time after there was had like crunch mode horrors and stuff like that. I guess Monkey Two had his fair share of it, but um, uh, it, we did our first like real pass at actual planning. I think for that game, because maybe it just didn't seem like Monkey One and Two were planning because Ron would just tell us what we're doing sometimes that day. 
<laughs> hey, I got a new piece of background art for you. Put it in. Like, it was like that. Uh, yeah. And uh, after that, we did the first, like, we did storyboards for every single background in the game. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Like, um, mm-hmm. Peter, yeah, Peter Chan did, uh, yeah. did like, a, a ba- every single background. And we'd never had the whole game to look at before and actually, like, see how it would actually visually look. And then we had it all on the wall, and then George Lucas came in. One of the three times I ever saw George Lucas. Right. <laughs> he came in our office, and he said... He said, I was all excited. Like I was like, look, we storyboarded out the whole game for the first time. And he's like, yeah, it's hard to make a movie without a script. And then you said, this isn't a movie. And you punched him. <laughs> That's if nice. I remember correctly. I read about that in the newspapers. <laughs> he still got this car. Most of that story was true. Most of that story was true. That's true. Man, we did a good job planning that game. We did plan that out. But actually, I, I mean, I, th- I think you're kind of talking about uh, just the fact that it's, you know, it's time travel and there's kind of this extra dimension to, mm-hmm. to all the dependencies of all the puzzles and stuff. But actually, it was always too I, much that was kind of um, informative. It was like having a mechanic to, to rely on. Like there's there, there's some obvious things start to suggest themselves as soon as you make a game about time travel. Like, oh, yeah. I'm gonna leave stuff, and it's gonna something's gonna happen to it over time. And somebody else is gonna pick it up. And, yeah, and that, that's so, actually uh, helpful when you're brainstorming. Itself, it's a piece of cake. Like when you're brainstorming for me, I always think about like, okay, what is a unique setting, or what are the unique things about the thing you're working on, and what what are the, what does that lead to? You know, like. Um, just this is a game about time travel, like you're saying, and that immediately gives you some things to work with. Um, but it, 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 that time travel thing was actually too much, it seemed like, for the player at first. Mm. Before we had our first pizza orgy, it was like a big company-wide test. We had, you could play all three kids all at once from the very beginning. Right. They were like, I don't know, I don't know where to go. I was wondering if I that's why you do. stuck Laverne in a tree, just to yeah, give people yeah. like uh, some limitations or some sort of barriers. Or yeah, boundaries. Yeah, opened up a little more gradually. We were still learning to do this and hadn't maybe realized that starting with too much opportunity is actually kind of a good idea. Hmm. Do you remember this? Like, I always felt this pressure during Monkey 1 and 2 to make everything as non-linear, multiple solutions as possible. Because that was what was cool, it seemed like, in adventure games. It's like, well, you can solve this puzzle different ways. And mm-hmm. the three trials in Monkey Island were non-linear. And it's like a format I keep, I've gone back to again and again. It's like, it's okay, what are the three trials right. of this section? You know, and like, yeah. how can you work on Because Because you're stuck on one puzzle, you can jump to the swordsman, you know, or you can drunk, jump to thievery. You, know, you, can, you can give your brain a break from any puzzle you're stuck on. And that's mm-hmm. why I thought non-linear puzzles mm-hmm. were important. I actually think there's more to it than that, even, too, because uh, a, a thing that is um, problematic with a game like this where the player is in total control is, is how do you do uh, kind of handle the pacing and, and, and more importantly, the, the buildup of tension. Uh, and a, a way that you can do that um, is by, there's, there's a, a, a kind of mental tension, which is, oh, my God, i got a lot to do, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, it's so many Post-its on my desk and so many pieces <laughs> of paper, i got to sweep them off onto the floor, right? Uh, you just start to feel a little you know, anxious about it. Mm-hmm. And when you take a problem in an adventure game and then divide it into three parts, it's like, okay, oh, okay, now it's three problems. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. well, so now I'm, now I'm starting <clears throat> to feel more tense. And, and, and we uh, essentially provide a, a, a dramatic arc for the game by making it really big in the middle where you've got lots and lots of things to do and lots of things to think about that are all concurrent instead of one at a time. Uh, and then kind of narrow it back down mm-hmm. to when the, when the climax comes. And I always thought that three was actually, there's a, people have ridden me over the years about, oh, why is everything always three? Why is everything always three? That's so dumb. But I think there's actually a, like a psychological reason for that, which is three is the most number of pieces of something that I can remember without really trying. So like if you send me down to the store and say, get milk and <laughs> eggs and butter, then I'm like, okay, milk, eggs and butter. I can remember that. Yeah, yeah. At least at that it. age it was. But then if you say also get bacon, then I'm, I'm you know, okay, there's milk. <laughs> Bacon, <laughs> eggs, and what was the fourth thing again? And I can never remember the fourth thing. 
But it's just enough. It's just. It's. Uh, let me point out. It's also one more than two. Mm. It's also right? one more than two. But like, because <laughs> two things, you just everything's black and white. When you add that third thing in, all of a sudden you don't know. You're not going to flip back and forth between two things anymore. You're going to the third thing. It's just enough to create enough confusion that you're now engaged. I feel like you have to be paying attention. Yeah. Hmm. No. things. Uh, Marty, you have anything you wanted to throw out there? Uh, I just want to, while while sticking with uh, time travel, did you guys have specific uh, kind of works, as in you know movies or uh, books that you kind of referenced for? rules of time travel or just examples of time travel. I know there are nods to Back to the Future in the game, but anything else besides that? Wait, were there? When uh, did Back to the Future come out? 85. Yeah. Yeah, I think the whole trilogy yeah, was out by yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we saw the second two at Lucas in the screening. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, <clears throat> what was our time travel reference? Believe it or not... <laughs> Personal experience. We might. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we have to cut that part, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, and that movie Primer, but we had to go forward and wow. see it. You built your own box, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Brilliant movie, by the way. Um, um, I'm still confused by the ending of that movie. That you're supposed to be, right? No, you actually no, no, follow that whole thing? To, you're supposed to figure oh, it out. Mm. You know, you know, <laughs> okay. I'll watch it again. Okay. Tim, Tim needs to watch the movie. <laughs> so um, it's like we had a lot of influences on that game, but in, far, in terms of time travel, I think we made up the rules because they're basically that it, there's no rules in a time like travel. just kind of exist in the public. Like everybody kind of knows how time travel works, right? You yeah, send some back time, kill back your parents. Time, <laughs> yeah. I feel like... Uh, well, there the, are no paradoxes in Dot, right? How do we... I mean, the, ma- the main thing where it gets tricky is what if you do go back and kill your parents, but we didn't allow you to provide any parents. opportunities about that. Your parents were not on scene when you were back there. I was just talking to uh, Marty about this. The game ends on yesterday, the day before they go to the mansion. So are there conceivably two sets of the three kids, the three college kids now? Wait, what? The game ends on yesterday? Yeah, they all, yeah. Yeah. They all meet and get together and have a party. So they or like when they go back and they stop the, the... Or it's like credits. Primer and they have to right. kill their twins. That's the- <laughs> It's like they had the tentacle three six playable characters. <laughs> They're just standing on each other's shoulders or sitting. Um, yes. That was the, <laughs> after the credit scene that we had to cut. Yeah. Mm. I think that then that reality becomes unstable and collapses. Yeah. Bad ending. That was a downer. <laughs> yeah, well, we cut right before that. <laughs> so I wanted to bring up uh, talk about the art style because uh, it seems to me that was the first game that I noticed at least that had such a cohesive art style where everything was designed with one sort of idea in mind and that I guess you guys were going for the sort of Chuck Jones, Looney Tunes mentality with maybe a few other inspirations thrown in. I wanted to talk about the uh, intro because to me it is the most striking and still impressive part of the game, um, at least visually. Did you guys conceive that as a showpiece for your technology the, at the time? The choking bird. You talking about that? Um, I meant the. Uh, I'm sorry. I meant the sorry, intro. The, the credits. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 That's Kyle Balda did that. <clears throat> because Kyle that feels Balder like remember. that was meant to play in a software etc. window and get people to go in and buy a computer immediately. <laughs> because that I don't think anyone had seen anything that competently done. Um, at least a cinema scene like that. Didn't Thanks, I drew all the, that. Uh, I drew all that. Didn't Kyle direct the Lorax recently? Uh, oh, is he's, he? He's, uh, he's he doing great yeah, things. Yeah, he's still. teaching like animation in Denmark or Paris or somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, or both. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, that that I mean, all he was, came kind of at the end. He was a yeah. classically trained animator from CalArts, and I wonder how many of those we'd had at Lucas before. It's mostly artists, and everyone's an artist and an animator. Mm-hmm. And, um, and he came and had just been trained in 2D animation and, and just uh, whipped that thing out. I think Larry did a couple, but uh, um, yeah, definitely Chuck Jones. It was something we talked about a lot when we were watching that, and we got to meet Chuck Jones. 
in the making of it, which was a little embarrassing because <laughs> we did not plan yeah. that very well. But we were, our hope was like, we got to get a quote from Chuck Jones on the box that says, I love this game, Chuck Jones. And so we set up a meeting with him. Our marketing people set up a meeting with him and we met with him and showed him the game. And he said, wow, but no one had ever told him what we wanted. We were just kind of hoping it would happen, that he would just say something and that we would put it on the box. Yeah. But he was, he, was pre- he was pretty old at the time. And at a certain point, I just remember he looked kind of, he looked kind of like, he's like, so why am I here? <laughs> but looking back on that, I've said that phrase many times myself now. I'm like, why? Could have put a different quote on the box, like, can I have some coffee, Chuck Jones? <laughs> yeah. Or where's why your bathroom? Here, Chuck Jones. Why am I here? But he liked, he seemed to like it, and he, he tried to um, recruit Peter Chan in that yes. meeting. Yeah. Mm, nice. So, was, was and he was very nice, and he's, I just watched The Grinch um, a few days ago, and I still love Chuck Jones. He's still awesome. You know, like the Grinch is falling down the mountain, and they're like these. There's not just one, but like two little tiny snowballs rolling down the mountain next to him, just offset a little bit. Genius, mm-hmm. pure genius. It's great. There was also a problem that you invited an 80 year old man to something called the pizza orgy. So he, was, <laughs> he was not having any part of that. We did not invite uh, Chuck Jones to the pizza orgy. We invited Orson Scott Card to the pizza orgy. Mm. <laughs> That's when things Chuck got Jones, weird. We went to his hotel room. Yeah, we met him in a hotel room. Yes. I think we paid for the hotel room. That's how we got him to meet with us because oh, he was yeah. in town for something else. This is all too much information. <laughs> no, we were excited. We got to meet Chuck Jones. I didn't get to meet, but we also got um, <clears throat> Les Nessman in the game. <laughs> that's right. That's I, I consider that my biggest coup, the inspiration yeah. to cast yeah. him. Bernie Sanders. Remember, it was we were having a lot of trouble trying to figure out who should do the voice of of, uh, of Bernard. We had cast like yeah. everybody else, mm-hmm. and we listened to like tape after tape after tape. Mm-hmm. We were just like, ah, nah, it doesn't seem right, and we couldn't really articulate like what. Didn't seem right. Wait, I have an idea. It. And then say, and then I had an idea. Say that. And then I had the most brilliant idea ever. <laughs> Thank you. There. Sound effects. Uh, okay. I've been trying to work that into the show. Yeah, did you guys have actual <laughs> input on casting? Or? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was right next. It was Tamlin uh, Nelio who was doing it. And um, uh, we would shoot. They always come and talk to the project leader, like, what, what, you know, give me a description of each character. And also, like, they would list, like, what kind of celebrity do you think this person would sound like or what what character they just want some sort of example of what they should sound like okay and i remember some of us saying like at some point it came up that he's like a less nesman type yeah but uh, and then and then tamlin said well i actually know that guy's agent maybe we could get him they first time it ever occurred to us to get an actual famous person yeah <laughs> not as famous today as he was at the time in my mind he's a hero i love less nesman i was getting sort of a lorraine newman vibe from um Laverne, was that intentional? I don't know that phrase has ever been said <laughs> Lorraine before. Newman vibe. <laughs> Lorraine vibe. Newman vibe, unless that was like a, about, a cast band in the 70s <laughs> of the Sunday Night Live. Uh, do you want to answer that one? Because I know which is partially based on but things for you to say. I was going to ask on that. No, what? <laughs> Just the way she walks. I thought it was um, your ex-girlfriend. Who's that? Because it said instead of the, instead of the whiteboard, it was like that. it said Laverne um, deranged psych major or something like that. Well, all of my ex girlfriends were deranged. That's true. But <laughs> this information's out there. I think it was on it Wikipedia. Was particular one who axe wielding psychology student was like on the whiteboard. It's like her character wrap mm-hmm. up. She never has an axe in the game. I don't know why, no. but I, I could have sworn that was based on no. uh, ex girlfriend of yours before mm-hmm. Luca's ex girlfriend. No. <laughs> Those were the sane ones. <laughs> he tells the mythic origins of Hoagie. I think yeah, I read an Hoagie interview with someone that you knew, Tim. Boyfriend. Hoagie was based on um, Tammy's friend Tony. Tammy's friend's boyfriend Tony, who was a roadie for Megadeth. Yeah, 
and we were at uh, Tammy's house for, and we met him. We meet, God, it's so long ago. Like, I met him. The stories were the stories were so vivid because he looks nothing like that guy. <laughs> uh, I met him and I came and I described him to you. I think. But Tammy and was then, telling then, stories about him, yeah. and when her friend broke up with him, he was so upset that he was smashing his head on the inside of a car window. <laughs> like he was so, and yeah, I was, it was just, really the stories about. Him it was the stories about him. They were so the epic and legendary. Him. The idea of a heavy metal roadie was so cool that I was like, I'm going to make a game about this. But before that, I'm going to put yeah. Hogan in the game. I still like the idea of heavy metal roadies. Just put down to earth, and yet. They're willing to smash their head through a car window if they need to. It's perfect. perfect. When, you're, when your car drives off the bridge and your car is sinking in the ocean, you want the roadie. You want to go to and smash the window with a bare head. So uh, on the box of the game, it actually says a cartoon adventure by LucasArts. Um, did you guys conceive this from the beginning as having this style or being defined by this style? Because I noticed while playing that the characters are defined as much by their animations as they are by their dialogue. And I was wondering if that was something you intended from the beginning or that's just something that happened naturally as you sort of consulted the art people and they kind of gave you their ideas. I don't know if we was, said that. The... I never declared that. But I think the artists kind of like, that's what they liked. Yeah, I think... Um... Just the visual style Peter wanted to wanted to do was was Chuck Jones influenced. I think that came from from him, and he was involved pretty early. And but it but it permeates yeah. the whole thing because then Larry, I mean we Peter and Larry it, were working so close together at the end of Monkey Two. Yeah, and then and Larry as the animator might have mm-hmm. even had a, a much to say about it being you know right because yeah he likes all the the squashy stretchy things yeah, that are characteristic of that kind of that kind of cartoon. And we were always trying we, to animate we, more. We, the screen. we even designed all the puzzles to kind of. Fit that like you have to think like a character from that cartoon world in order to play that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you write a lot of the visual gags, or did you leave the art team up to their own devices to sort of come up with ways to make these characters move in a funny way? Because I noticed then um, each character has their own funny way of going to the secret lab. Like Bernard hits his head. Uh, I think Hoagie, like you can see his butt crack because he's a big fat guy, and um, I forget what Laverne does, she but just those, dives right in. she just dives yeah. right in. Those are all like very much like who those characters are did you write like okay bernard goes down like this hoggy uh, goes down yeah, like this the animators are singing larry and kyle yeah, and larry and kyle and, and lila yeah see <laughs> this is, i'm sorry this is something that happens with old people you're so excited when you remember something ah! <laughs> <laughs> her name was lila Dallin. brain still works she had socks with cat paws on them <laughs> marty please it's a long story so okay. anyway uh they just yeah they would just come up with that kind of stuff and that that was a lot of the great stuff in um the early days of lucasarts is that the um the artist would just put stuff in the game that was totally not, I don't think it was scripted, like, I think the way, like, Stan, like, the way that Stan waves his arms around. I don't know, maybe Ron came up with that, but I have this feeling that, like, Steve Purcell just kind of, you know, went nuts yeah. with that hmm. character animation. I definitely know that he, like, when we said, um, or we said we wanted a three-headed monkey, he was like, um, Steve was the one, I think, you did the, the, three, the three-headed chewing a banana. Like, the first one bites the oh, banana, right. the middle one chews it, and the third one swallows it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... It, that's the great thing about those games that everybody gets to put a little touch of humor, or funny, something, some personality in the game. Hmm. So you have to hire funny animators. You have to. Yeah. 
Most animators are pretty funny. Yeah, it's true. I, I know so. a lot of dour <laughs> animators, like depressed animators that are just maybe the um uh the brothers Quay. Maybe they're pretty depressed. Yeah. Let's get another doll face and some spiders. <laughs> um I, I noticed uh, playing the game again this weekend that uh there's a few things that if they didn't happen or if they did happen, I think the game would completely fall apart. Um, one of them being if you actually had to manually walk back to the uh, Chronogen to give items, oh, oh. I think that would have. I mean, that would have made the game just probably like. I mean, multiple times. You mean a lot of yeah, extra value? Yeah. Is <laughs> if that, you, we're if you had to walk there, <laughs> yeah. We're Speaking of how far would how far right. would have turned? It, it was horrible when you did have to walk there. You did have so to. That was long time. Yeah, that I was wondering if that did that come out in playtesting or just you guys yeah. discovered. Yeah. Uh, okay. And that, probably that same piece towards you. Yeah. Paul, um, how would call that shoe leather? It was like there's too much shoe leather in this game. Like there's just too much. How does he have an old timey term for a, an adventure game concept? Like that doesn't happen in <laughs> movies. You never say for everything. you never say in a movie. There's too much shoe leather in that movie, except for that one um, Gus Van Sant movie where they walk no, across just, the desert. Just makes, there's too much shoe leather in that. Spilling out of him. Yeah, he just his brain just kicks that old timey phrase. Like some kind of phrase about nailing pelts to the wall or yeah, something exactly. Like but yeah, there was too much shoe leather in that game. You had to walk back and forth. And so just dragging, it was our first, like, we were really pushing the icons, too, like, picture-based interface instead of the text-based mm. words. So, like, you could drag your inventory item onto, like, a kid's face. That was, like, yeah. a huge break. What if you just do that? And it was almost like, surely we couldn't put something that in- useful and intuitive in the game. That would just be, <laughs> what? Pretty much, pretty much designed the iPhone right there. Wow. Right there. I mean, it was years later before... They incorporated it into the phone. I but... just imagine like people, people early on making films, and uh, and following characters around. Somebody said, "What if what if we didn't show this part? What if we just sort of <laughs> let's call it a, a, a cut? We just cut to stop making the camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we turn the camera off and then we turn it back on when they get there. People will feel think? that the world ended and the different world has begun. Surely, if we no, cut. let's just try it. It'll be great." I, I did That's notice uh, when playing the game again that everything is pretty much one screen. Every room is one screen. There's not a lot of scrolling. Like Monkey Island 1 and 2 had a few areas where you'd walk all the way across mm. and walk all the way back. But this in Day of the Tentacle, things were very compact. So I guess that's the lack of shoe leather yeah. we're talking about. I really like that. I mean, I played it again recently um, just for this like um, side quest of our, our, of our Kickstarter thing. I was playing it, and I really liked like, the composition. Like they're all, Peter Chan is very like into uh, balanced composition. So every room has this kind of rounded... Like like Ed, weird Ed's habit trail. Everything has this kind of like like perfectly framed piece of art. Sort know? of like a fisheye. You're kind of peering into the world. Yeah, yeah. And um, I really enjoyed that. And each room had like a character in it and some important thing, a puzzle that he was had one little piece of. You know, there's a guy trying to the depressed guy in the hotel bed, and there's like another room. I have another guy, and he's all framed perfectly, and he's got something else for you. And it was like a little dollhouse. I like that. And doing a game in a mansion was really looking back on it. It felt claustrophobic a little bit at the time. But looking back at it, I envy that because it's like just it's like, so everything is so cordoned off in rooms. Yeah. I also remember we 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 had a basically a, a strict room budget that we negotiated with Peter kind of up front because he was he's, he's very efficient. Uh, he's like, this is what I can do. You know, I can do one background I, a day. Yeah, I can do. I think he did one background a day. He did one background wow. a day, yeah. and if it was going to be a two screen background, then that was going to be two days, and and yeah. he would just like he stuck rigorously to that the whole time. He always went home at four. You know, get in yeah. early, go home at four. Uh, After the racetrack, he had a huge gambling problem. Never <laughs> Where is he now? He's probably the track right now. <laughs> owns an island or something. <laughs> I did notice that uh, in Day of the Tentacle, compared to what had come before, there were far fewer, I guess, items to click on in the background just for flavor text. Was that intentional or just a, a space issue? Or did you guys 
just think that there there are three different mansions with three different characters, so you're not necessarily going to need 20 items in a room to look at. I don't know. I don't know if we tried to eliminate it like background. there was already plenty to do. Yeah. yeah. But I don't remember making that as a specific decision. We were always, always trying to get um, Peter to not paint interesting things in the rooms that you couldn't interact with, like mm. ladders. Right. You'd have like a ladder going off somewhere. You're like, what? where does that ladder go to? And he goes, you, you, you can't climb it. He like, would put what? it in the foreground, too. He would yeah. always put these things like way in front of the characters just to, for composition purposes. Like, oh, here's a trombone, like just kind of sticking up from the bottom of the screen. He's like, no. And the compromise was <laughs> he put that all over there, like, in silhouette, right? So he eventually came up with that little language of like silhouettes in the foreground. Whether it's a duck or like a nail gun, you can't touch it. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a silhouetted thing. But uh, I don't remember. We always wanted to have you know we judged our games on whether how interactive they were. Like if if there was a room where like um, every item in it, you know, you looked at it and you just kind of said huh or something. Like we would think that we'd completely failed. So we'd want to make sure that we had the character saying something interesting about everything in the room. I think it may more had something to do with how they were painted. Like those are the, those were. Did you scan those backgrounds? I think he might yeah, scan those. painted them and scanned them. And I don't know why them I think up. that's different. He cleaned them up. Because the like in the, in the in Monkey Island games, everything was really like EGA, VGA, and I don't know why I'm saying that. we had all these <laughs> colors to work with. Yeah. Remember the scanner? We got the scanner. This is actually yeah. before remember God. The, this was remember during, the during scanner. Monkey 2. We got the scanner. And it was like, it was way more expensive than my car. I think the thing cost about ten thousand dollars. It was one of these flatbed <laughs> scanners that you can get like at the supermarket now for about fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. And you had to you had to be checked out on the scanner in order to use it in case some clown broke it. It was super important. Mm-hmm. And you had to book time on it. Like all artists for you know all, uh, <laughs> during the day you shouldn't. Use. So I would like stay after work because I wanted to scan stuff to make like oh my God. a whole desktop background for my <laughs> Mac and I, you know. Digitizing things was weird. It was like Tron. It was like you're pulling something into the digital world. Magical. Yeah. It's like you ever seen Bullet? There's this movie where they sit around for half an hour waiting for essentially a fax to come in. But it's like, we are transmitting an image through the motherfucking phone lines. All right? <laughs> this shouldn't happen. Everybody get on your knees and watch this thing roll out of this machine. <laughs> That's the way the scanner felt. Yep. But then everyone was mad at Peter Chen because he came in. Because everyone was like, you can't do decent work with markers and a scanner. And then Peter did the first test room. And everyone was like, oh, damn it. Mm-hmm. They wanted to paint with mice. <laughs> they wanted to paint with a mouse and, and enhance deluxe paint. Hmm. So I, wanna, I wanted to know uh, if you guys were forced to change any lines due to perhaps risque content. Uh, Marty and I both noticed this, that you have to microwave the hamster again in Day of the Tentacle. And when you do, Laverne sort of gives a PSA that if you're a kid and you do this, you'll be give, given up for adoption. I wasn't sure if that was a tongue-in-cheek PSA or maybe it was somewhat mandatory, but you're just sort of poking fun at the idea. They were definitely worried about a little bit about that, but we already knew that. I, I, when I played it again recently, I, the first time I had a hamster and a micro together, I tried to use them together and it didn't work. Hmm. Maybe I was, I was really disappointed in us. I was like, what? Was How it, could we not it, have put a line in there about was these? It, was it frozen yet? Yeah. It has to be frozen. It was, it was, but it was, yeah. But it doesn't, she doesn't, the character doesn't say anything. Like you try to put that live hamster in the microwave, it says no. <laughs> well, I think we need to go back in time and totally yeah, write a better that. line of dialogue for that. Yeah. But I did want to note that this game uh, came out sh- maybe a few months after the whole Beavis and Butthead kids are burning down their trailer homes and, you know, <laughs> setting things on fire because of a TV show like <laughs> copycat violence. And I wasn't sure if that was a reaction to that or if just a coincidence. I think because it was so uh, comic, I mean, cartoony looking, we didn't really have that much problem. There was a problem Maniac Mansion for the Nintendo version, I remember, because it, it looked too much like a Coke machine. It was a, gro- a Coke machine in Maniac Mansion they had to make into a 
Pepsi machine. I think they actually got <laughs> they got Pepsi's approval to put Pepsi in there, and so it changed from a Coke machine to a Pepsi machine. But um, can I say Pepsi? Um, Is that fine? Okay. I think we get money or they. I have to, I have to figure that out. <laughs> One of us Not gets sure money. yet. <laughs> uh, but I don't remember. We I mean, we, uh, we were always careful about that stuff. It was just kind of part of the culture. It doesn't die in our game, right? You can't kill that hamster. No. Mm. no I don't think That's the difference between uh, us and Ron. Yeah. <laughs> Ron just cavalierly. Yeah. Then life means nothing to him. No. If you've ever met him, you know that's true. Uh, how many hamsters die in the cave? We'll find out this uh, this winter. <laughs> a lot of things die in the cave. This is very, it's very bleak. It's very bleak. <laughs> it's a frightening window into Ron Gilbert's soul. <laughs> Yeah, and it came up with like some weird <laughs> things that were just substrings of other things, like assessment would show I just up. Liked, you know? I just liked hearing uh, Casey Donahue Ackley. He's like the nicest person in the world, really like proper. And she would come in and, and read the um, the results of the profanity check. So she'd sit in the corner of the room, um, fuck, kick shit. And she'd just read through this whole thing. <laughs> just, that was really entertaining. Anyway. But also, we got in, we got in some trouble because back then people would. Um, disassemble and extrude every piece of data in your game. There was a they, minister they, they still in. Do that. There's, <laughs> really? Yeah. A, there's a minister in the in Kansas who um, took apart one of our games and found. And okay, it probably was not a good idea to put "Hail Satan" in the game, right? <laughs> well, you want his endorsement, right? <laughs> That's how you get sales. We had to like patch a game to take out the "Hail Satan" line. It never appeared in the game. Just yeah, in the it wasn't code. a line hmm. that you could actually cause to appear on screen. Yeah, Wasn't and like God gets so much publicity. Why <laughs> why begrudge us a little shout out to the Dark Lord? Is that pretty yeah, is that unfair? It gets us all through the day, I think. <laughs> it was, you know, maybe metal roadies in the game. You gotta have a little It was a programmer's like debug message is so annoying because the, the window that flashed up would be was red and it just looked so uh-huh. weird to him that he made it say Hell Satan and and it cost us thousands of dollars. Wow. Marty, anything you wanna uh, throw out there? Yeah, I noticed uh, early on in the game, once uh, you know the time travel fails and you come back, uh, Fred goes upstairs saying that he thinks the plans are upstairs, when in actuality they're just like a couple inches away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, how many players do you think you just completely like stopped playing the game because they went upstairs, searched every room in the mansion, you know, and then was were so pissed off that they couldn't find it that Why they just Fred never... say that? Because it... was that a mistake or is he purposely misleading you? I think we were trying to get him out of the room was actually what was We had to have him there. disappear, so we needed the player to leave the room. No, we needed Fred to leave the room. Yeah. Oh. Player's actually just supposed to find the plans right there. Is it because he's a dotty old man that he forgot the plans right there? That's a good cover story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why would players yeah, yeah. care? There you go. Yeah, Narrative. we probably did lose a few people on that. Can you, can you, you actually, because you can leave the room and go, yeah, yeah, yeah you can. Around, yeah. 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 Yeah, that was kind hey, of like, that's, man. Shoe like, leather. Whoever designed that game really should <laughs> learn a few things about <laughs> directing the player properly. 
Do you have anything to add, Marty? I'm sorry. Uh, no, keep go ahead. Yeah, Marty's yeah, list yeah, of complaints yeah, about yeah, the game. Keep oh, going. Yeah, it's like, I let's go. Of them. Let's bring go. Up, go, no, go ahead and bring up the car wash thing right now. What happened oh, to the car wash? Oh, car wash yeah. That is you remember puzzle. the washing the carriage puzzle? puzzle? Like, we lost a bunch of people because, um, like, I just assumed that everybody knew from their childhood that when you wash your car, it causes it to rain. Yeah. But it turns out that was just my family and a few other disturbed <laughs> I was wondering. And there's, like, a context there that I the player doesn't have. So you I just don't know fair. what You think that was fair? Well, I think that was it slightly, must have been a hint slightly unfair. There, I mean, I was going to bring it's that up. Better than the monkey wrench. There is a hint because better the, than the, monkey the car says wash me, and if Bernard tries to wash it, he says, I don't want it to rain. So that tells you that yeah, bit of cultural knowledge. There you go. See? Yeah. Nearly every puzzle is accompanied by like an audio cue of some sorts, uh, even if the clue is really uh, vague. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's, there's, I don't think there's really anything in the game that you completely have to solve just based on your wits. People don't have wits. <laughs> well, just because of a hint doesn't mean you're not using your wits. That's true. Really, you just we put those in so people who are stuck they talk to characters more and go deeper and find these hints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, use. in general, the, the the idea is the more the more you display interest in something and keep clicking on the guy and keep talking to him, the the more information you should get. That's mm-hmm. going to kind of get you closer to yeah to your goal. I remember the line of dialogue I had to fight for, which is totally a stupid example. But when you go up and you see those two sculptors, yeah. what were they, they named? Ned Bro- and Ted. No, they get Jed. It was Jed, Jed and. Um, he's like, well, I'll see you later. I didn't mean to jostle you. And, uh, um, Judith Lucero hated that line. She said, that's not a word, jostle. Really? <laughs> and she tried to make me take that out for the longest time. And I said, no, I like it. And she's like, it doesn't mean anything. And I was fighting for it. And it was uh, a dumb fight to have and dumb for me to bring up right now because it's really boring. But that is the one dying dialogue I fought for. I didn't mean to jostle you. I'm just amused that she didn't think it was a word. Well, it's a word, but you would never, she's like, you would never say that. I didn't mean to jostle you. But I meant like, here, I'm going to demonstrate jostling right now. Dave is being jostled. I just jostled Dave. <laughs> a lot of huge sound And effect. I'm sorry, Dave, I didn't mean to jostle you. I was, I was in a conversation with one of the other writers at, at Telltale the other day, and I used the word mollify, and it turned out he had, he had no idea what it meant. He had never Mollify. It means to mollify. make a, a, a woman carry guns for you when you're robbing a bank. That's basically, yeah, what he yeah. wanted <laughs> So let's talk about uh, the music. It's uh, three composers. I guess they were in the LucasArts stable at the time. It's uh, Clint. Uh, how do you say his name? Bajakian. 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 I, I only see you, it. But I wanted to hear how you were going to say. Yeah, that. I only see it written. I've never actually heard anyone ben say Bajakian. it. Bajakian. Bajakian. Music. Uh, I thought it was all Peter McConnell music. Um, no, the, I think, I think the main theme was like Peter some, McConnell. Peter McConnell, Michael Lanner. I, I was reading that each each composer did, yeah, took took a certain era for themselves. Is that true? Oh, that sounds right. Okay. Yeah. And I, I did notice that. Um, how much direction did, did you give these guys? Because each character sort of has their own like late motif that plays throughout. Depending on um, it changes depending on what they're doing and where they are. And that seemed like I've something that games. Motif. Have I been using that wrong all my light life? Motif? Uh, late motif. Late motif. Varied. I, re- I remember actually well, like making. Garrett, like I remember making motif. Peter change a specific note in the thing what? that he wrote. <laughs> this was like just early to assert in the process. your dominance over him. And then I and then I just like I want that I to be a C flat. I just felt so bad about that that I basically didn't really try to direct those guys ever again just, i remember peter writing the um the main theme and noticing that it had like a hymn hymnal stuck in it because his dad was a minister and it's the lord's been good to me ah, so okay. i thank the lord like yeah. <laughs> they do a lot like, of quoting second, what's that song doing there and he's like oh i can't believe you <laughs> um but i don't remember giving them any stronger direction except for talking about chuck jones a lot and mm-hmm. yeah just Usually, you know, talk, talk, we'd talk about 
more about what's what should this environment feel like you know, uh-huh. what's what's the what's the mood here yeah and they would just take it from there i mean they're professionals and uh back in monkey 2 you guys sort of used wood tick as just a way to flex the uh, i'm use muscle for lack of a better term just like show off what oh. the system can do did you have anything uh planned as ambitious as that because it seemed like that was the, the craziest thing you guys did with that system um the the whole everything changing and sort of warping around wh- where guybrush is and what he's doing and who oh. he's talking to yeah no we never did it again because we, I think people felt that no one cared mm. after we did that. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that, cra- it really was just like, I think one 16 track piece of mini music and every time you go into an area, we fade and up or down one of these 16 tracks, right? Mm. In Wood Dick. I don't know if we, we I is think we ever, after that, the musicians, they're just like, let's just crossfade. We walk out <laughs> of the room, we'll just crossfade everything. I think there are though, I think some of the external environments have the, the themes that will actually uh, change a little bit depending on what's going on, what part of the game you're in, just to, to, to up the tension. Like, oh, you know, now I've, I'm, I've almost solved the uh, puzzle where I have to plug in the Chrono John so I can get back. And we added, it was basically just adding extra parts to the music. Like not, not changing so much, but mm-hmm. there's just more to it now. Mm-hmm. So I had Ron in here um, about a year ago, I think. We talked about Maniac Mansion. He said uh, one of the frustrating things about working at LucasArts was the fact that Sierra always beat you guys um, sales-wise. And How... softball-wise, too. <laughs> softball-wise. I didn't know that. Uh-huh. Damn, you, That's Roberta Williams. That's they didn't Williams. mention our name in the newsletter. I'm so <laughs> mad about that. They beat us at softball, and then they went back and put a picture of their team holding the trophy and saying, Sierra beats competitor in softball. <laughs> like, you can't even... Oh, you're so... Uh. Yeah, anyway, so yeah. So uh, how well did this game sell? And were you happy with its sales? What do you remember about that? I remember that um, I eventually actually got a, a royalty check on it, which meant it made a profit, oh, yeah. and that was cool. Yeah, I mean, um, we, we were happier with it in that it was bigger than Monkey 2. I feel like Monkey 2, I remember that being like a low point, because when we sold Monkey 2, someone, like the first round of sales for it, I were like, someone told me 25,000 copies of that thing. And Ron says no, it was more than that. that. Must be pre-Europe something. It was, it was, it was really low, and we were. I always remember being like this. Though I mean, to to be fair, this was like in an era where if your game sold a hundred thousand copies, that was was, a hit. Yeah, Mm. we were always trying to you know get to a hundred thousand. But but we but um but we at the end of every game was kind of like uh you know. But but I remember I I have this memory of Dantonical being eighty thousand at the time, like the first month or three months. So I felt like oh we're getting somewhere. At least we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Were you yeah. concerned about international sales because a good third of the game it deals with American history? It's very specific to. We, we people told us that, that like oh, this is never going to fly. I mean, there's all this early American history um, jokes and stuff. I'll just credit that all to Boris. I figure Boris must have <laughs> just saved it somehow. It like maybe he changed every line to be like. Ben Franklin, the American famous for lightning and key experiments. Like he added that right <laughs> in the dialogue. I don't know. But maybe that's because know, it's, I, like, I it's the it's iconic so, stuff. It's yeah, like the, it's the iconic stuff. It's really American history light. Yeah. A lot yeah. of it is made yeah. up. Wrong. Not, American history wrong. True. And also I think um, we underestimate the Europeans' knowledge of other people's history. It's way better than ours is. Like, mm. I don't know anything about you know, French history, for example. Uh, but well, they know ours. There's a guy with the, the short guy, right? <laughs> there's, always, there's always doing this with his band. Oh, yeah. What was, yep. what was it? That, that, that the Ron Gilbert guy? That was the guy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ron Gilbert, that's the one who said, let them eat cake. Yeah. Uh, so were there any plans for a uh, third Maniac Mansion game? Or did you guys just want to move on from these characters after Day of the Tentacle? Well, at the time, we didn't. I don't remember. I think they asked us for pitches for them, and we, 
Do we? I remember do you put feeling your two? pretty burnt out mm-hmm. at the end. I didn't want to do another one, at least not right away. Did, cause it was, so you know that thing where they asked us to pitch like five games and they yelled at all of us and threatened to fire us. Yeah, yeah. So and they, <laughs> um, my pitch had had full throttle, had Grim Fandango, and it had at the spy game I never did. And then it had a, another monkey game and another dog game, like man imagine game, because they'd asked for those. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Did you, did you do one too? I have no recollection whatsoever. You didn't. Did you didn't oh, man. Do you remember anything about that I pitch, or was it just weird things? It's weird. I think that pitch I had was called like Planet Tentacle or something like that. Tentacle Planet. I I had a an, another one that I wanted to make, but. There's still time. You know what's weird? And my Monkey Island pitch, I had a section at the end where a big whirlpool opened up and you could see the bottom of the ocean and there was a big whirlpool in the middle of the ocean. And that's in Mm. the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And for all the like the conspiracy Mm. things about the Pirates of the Caribbean being, you know, taken from Monkey Island, which are all true. (laughs) um, (laughs) That is true. But wait, Disney owns it, so now it's cool. Yeah, it's cool now. (laughs) But that whirlpool thing was just in my head. I don't think I ever told anyone about that one. Maybe just whirlpools Hmm. are such a general everyone who's taken a bath has seen one, so they just sure. also thought of Every it. That's just weird. <laughs> anyway, but, uh, yeah. I also just want to uh, warn listeners that if you search Tentacle Planet on the internet, that's not going to yeah. be <laughs> <laughs> You want to go to it. .org, not <laughs> .com. <laughs> I guess we can bring up this question. I'm not sure if you guys can answer it or want to, but have you ever been approached about a possible re-release or remake? I know uh, the former LucasArts president um, or whoever was in charge of their games division had, uh, you know, remakes coming out and I guess he was replaced or he quit or whatever. There's a new guy there now and he doesn't really care about the legacy. Was this ever in the works, a re-release or anything Uh, like that? Maybe Dave should answer that question, Dave. Mm, I can... Probably can't talk about okay. anything <laughs> Just remotely related to that. Dave has this weird like integrity thing, oh, uh, and he's like keep secrets. You ask him to keep. Yeah. It's really annoying. Notice, it's super yeah, we, annoying. We 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 did make some new Monkey Island games, and that was fun. And then. We didn't make anything else after that. Let me just say this: no one approached me. <laughs> no, one, no one approached me. Just Telltale, game of the year. Telltale. No, no one approached us either. We approached them. Oh, I see. Are there? I mean, are there any rights issues that need tied up, or could this game just pop up on Steam one day? Well, the rights issues are all tied up at Disney now. Yeah, Disney. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if people ask me, like, does that make things more likely that something will happen with those? And, and, and I don't know. I mean, I haven't, I haven't talked to anyone at Disney. Disney Lucas. Dukas. 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 I haven't talked to anyone at Dukas about any of these things, but. Dukas. <laughs> it was. Um, is that a character from Star Wars? <laughs> I think it is. Count Dukas. <laughs> Lindsay's taken, so. Um, <laughs> Uh, people were speculating about that a lot when they. When yeah, I guess we should. Happened. We didn't. We never said the only way to play this game is to either you know find it or get a CD-ROM. I guess the last find time it was it. That's reprinted. A nice way of putting that. I wanted find to it. be nice about it, but that's pretty much the find only. Find it on a torrent. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, and you need Scum VM to play it because it won't run on modern hardware. That's true. Either. And you guys, you guys are fans of Scum VM. I love Scum VM. Yeah. Cool. I mean, that's the only way to play any of those little games and, and residual for Grim. Yeah. But um. 
Oh, those guys are really nice too. I mean, like we, it's amazing how many things we rely on game players and fans to, as far as preserving old works of stuff that we did. Like when I give a present, if I ever give a presentation, I need to put a PowerPoint together. I use Google Image Search to find screenshots of our work, not like my own personal archive. <laughs> I don't have like a, any of that stuff saved. I'm like, I wonder if I can find some dot, dot screens and yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you can find the screenshots of specific lines of dialogue that you wrote. They're all <laughs> out there. Yeah. So unless uh, Marty, have anything else? I want to move on to our the nerdiest questions I for have last. Some super nerdy questions. Okay. So, nerdy questions? Yeah, this is getting weird. I guess uh, yeah. why don't you start, Marty? Before... Okay. Uh, so I think my favorite gag in the game is when uh, Hoagie's moving uh, a bed upstairs, and then it just uh, cuts to the room below, and and you hear the noise move across the screen. With the bed, and it's it's something so small, but I just think it's so clever. Um, I don't know if you guys have that one thing in the game when you thought of it, like even if no one else would care about it, that really you just hold it, you know, dear. Yeah, I think that was probably you. Like all this fancy tech stuff with Dave, like when the three pirates say the three trials at the same time. I think you like wrote a new function so you could do that. Hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> that was a different game. But sliding the word across, I don't know if that was you or it wasn't me. It Is wasn't that how you got ten talking. tentacles on the screen at once at the end? Just like ten moving. I was wondering how this, how that happened. It was pretty damn amazing. That, that, that may have been me. If it wasn't you, then I'm sure it was me. I, I did always like to play around with the, the, the tropes of like where the is text, the text yeah. and what is it doing. And, yeah. mm-hmm. If there's one thing in the game, you're saying like one thing that when when you came up with it, like I don't know, you were really proud of. Uh, we're uh, mm-hmm. putting uh, Manic Mansion in the game. Oh, yeah, we're we didn't mention that. About that. Yeah. <laughs> and then they cut that from a later yeah. version of it. Something. You and you and Ron and I disagree about how that actually happened. Really? Yeah. Because t- the the thing that I remember was was a thing actually from Dot, uh, where there's the scene where the 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 uh, the three guys at the Continental Congress are jumping out of the window because mm-hmm. you've you filled the room with smoke, <clears throat> and uh, Leela made that animation, mm-hmm. and it was really big. Like the character's really big on screen, and it takes them a while to kind of get out and and, and fall to the ground. And I was trying to wire that in, and it wasn't working. It was just breaking the game at that point. Hmm. And I went and I looked, and I was like, well, this is awful large, the animation file. And so I went upstairs, and I was like, guys, is, is there a, a limit to the size that an animation can be in the engine? And is it 64K? And I was like, mm, maybe we'll check it. And they looked, and yeah, sure enough, it was 64K. And that was the point, in my mind, that I remember him saying, you know, we should the, put Maniac Mansion main, inside no, of No, he said Maniac Mansion was smaller than this animation. That's what he said. Wow. Okay, that's Dave's version of the story, then... right? So that's the wrong version. What I remember <laughs> is during Monkey 2 when Steve Purcell did this amazing uh, uh, animation of Rapscallion coming back to life in the. You put the ash to life on his ashes in the coffin, and he goes, and he comes back to life in like muscles and bones and like a little chef's hat on him and we were so amazed by that and we looked how big it was that's gotta be huge it was like 200k or something like that and we're like holy crap that's the biggest thing and then ron i remember ron going 200k 200k wait that's the size of maniac mansion and we were like oh my god we have an animation in our game that's bigger than maniac mansion we should just put maniac mansion in the game but that was earlier and that was just sat around in our heads until we could maybe merge these stories together until then, you were Until wiring in the, the tragedy of this. Yeah. Until said, that let's, happened. Let's put it in. <laughs> yeah. And then remember, Eric had to write a, a special function to uh, add to the scum system that allowed the allowed you to get to uh, Maniac Mansion. Turns out this was the easiest way to do it. So now there is a a command that the interpreter understands. Play which Maniac is Mansion. Play Maniac Mansion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can just call anytime and mm-hmm. fire up the other game. 
And then later when they were going to release it on CD-ROM, they didn't want to test Maniac Mansion, so they disabled it. But once again, a pointless bureaucracy taking fun away from children Damn around them. the world. <laughs> so uh, the Family Channel TV show is a plot point in okay. Day of the Tentacle. And I wanted to ask you guys, did you uh, take that the kind of general terribleness of that show personally? And is that why you included it? Because it seems like most people just wouldn't acknowledge it because Wait, it's just we, so different. What did we say about it in the game? I don't uh, was, that. It, was it what the rights are based yeah. on? There's no, the there's no evaluation of the show's quality. It's just the fact that um, they made a lot of money on the TV show, but Dr. Fred got kind of screwed on that. Yeah, oh, I see. Just yeah. like I was just surprised that that you acknowledge the TV what? show. Well, yeah, we were. Um, I mean, I think Rob was pretty excited everything. about that getting made. You can imagine, like, you have this idea for a game, and then they're making a TV show, and then you, you the SCTV guys are involved, and you know, um, and I don't think Ron like hated the show. I remember he remembers getting together and watching it at his house, mm-hmm. and, but I also remember um, like Rothman or one of the big Lucas licensing people being in the um, stable house. That's where we were, right? Yeah, the stable house. Yeah. Telling us about the show. And we're like, there's really going to be a show about Manic Mansion? He goes, yeah. It's a, and he gave us this pitch that was a super Hollywoody pitch about how, you know, it's not like an old you know, mansion anymore. It's more like a, <laughs> you know, like a, like a modern kind of, like a Brady Bunch house. And there's, a, and there's some eccentric characters in the family, but there, there's, a, there's a lot of love there. A lot of love there. And the, the way he said that was like, it's the first time I'd ever seen it, heard anyone say such a cheesy Hollywoody kind yeah. of thing. Before and I was like, oh my god! The opening, the opening is on YouTube. It's like the opening for Growing Pains. You would not think of it as Maniac Mansion <laughs> if you would just watch that opening. I mean, if you see them as completely separate things, it's probably a fine show. Hmm. Maybe I, I, I don't remember. I remember much not about liking it. it, and and only part of that being the fact that it actually had almost nothing to do with with Maniac. Mansion. I don't know if I could ever it's, gotten past that. Just like laughing at how I mean, if you look at if you look at Nurse Edna. And they turned into, I think she's like a young, hot mama in the show, right? <laughs> and their sadness is kind of like deranged Phyllis Diller character in the, in the, anyway. Yeah. It was just so amazing how far they took that license. Um, but I think they've done much worse things with video games and in, in, in movies and TV since then. So. That's true. It's like nothing compared to, well. Yeah, true. But, it, but in any it case, way it before definitely was like it was, it was part of our sort of, uh, shared social consciousness around the studio at the time that we were uh-huh. designing the puzzles for the game, and so like everything is material at that mm. point. So, uh-huh. Like we had to include it. Uh-huh. Marty, you have any other? Did uh, did you guys get any backlash from a uh, left-handed people <laughs> or uh, b uh, the Columbia Record Club? I think I can stand. I can talk for Dave here when I say screw left-handed people. I completely agree. <laughs> right? No I'm kidding. Did you know there's actually a left-handed store at Fisherman's Wharf, and I, I know, know somebody works there, I and know. they're right-handed. Uh, what? Doesn't that seem what like a scam? Are they covering it up? They just yeah, have really oh, bad yeah. handwriting. <laughs> oh my god, my wife's left handed. So let me just take all that back. <laughs> like she's gonna listen to this. <laughs> what 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 did we say bad about left handed people? I mean the whole gag with the hammer. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, a serious issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um wait, left handed people, a, what was the other one? The uh the record club. Ah uh, yeah. Uh, the the record, record, record club. club. Yeah. Those things were such a ripoff. Right? They were. My they still exist. They from. still do that. Yeah, where's Columbia House now? Uh, Disney's. <laughs> well, let me. Can I say that? <laughs> let me just say they still have things that you sign up for, and they come whether you order them or not. You actually have uh, to decline each one every month. Mm-hmm. And some of them. Um, Getting some stuff for your daughter. Is that, uh... I'm not gonna. Can I say anything? Let's just say <laughs> Schmizny. Dukas. <laughs> Dukas, Dukas and Schmizny. <laughs> Dukas and Schmizny. <laughs> so, like a law firm. after uh, like a Bernard, uh, there's a point in the game where Bernard pushes uh, Nurse Edna down the stairs, and yeah. we don't see her anymore after that. 
Did you guys ever... Did you hit that truck? She died. Okay, I was going to ask, yeah. is she dead? Sad. No. <laughs> or was there a plan on showing where she went in her, in her well, chair? She made just... a nurse sized hole in the door. Okay. Mm. And then she rolls out in the street. She's in a mystical place that we call off-screen. <laughs> off-screen. Where anything can happen. Yeah. <laughs> that was my sister's voice. Oh, that's right. Said that. So also, uh, was this a callback to the original Maniac Mansion? You need two dimes to move the fat guy off of his uh, vibrating bed to get the sweater. And mm. in the first Maniac Mansion, you needed two dimes to move the telescope in order to see the uh, combination in the um, attic. And that does wondering like if that was a callback. throwback. callback, which we did not plan. Not intentional? <laughs> <laughs> no. The, I mean, Ron was not there when we were actually wiring up the game, so he couldn't have stuck that in. No, I mean, the point of there being two was actually the first one was just used to get you the information you needed about how the so thing worked. wanted another right. like, really oh, bad. okay, I get it, because it wasn't, you know, it, it was one of these give the player information without solving the puzzle for them, so the puzzle then becomes not do I need a dime, but where, where am I going to get another one? Hmm. Rob was around when we were brainstorming some puzzles. He could have snuck Yeah, he in. was in there early. But... Yeah. yeah. You know, a puzzle didn't get in. My turtle puzzle. What was the turtle puzzle? I want to have a, when you're thinking about time travel, like what else? What happens in 200 years? Well, turtles live 200 years. Oh, yeah. So I want to have this little bigger. pond with a little baby turtle out, and you like, I don't know if I wanted to stretch a sweater or something. I was like, you put the sweater on the baby turtle, and 200 years later, it's a huge tortoise, and the sweater's all stretched out. As if Hoagie couldn't just stretch out the sweater himself. <laughs> I'm going to do this the hard way. I'm going to put this on this little turtle. So what you're saying is we could have extended the puzzle chain where you shrink mm-hmm. the sweater even mm-hmm. further mm-hmm. by having you have to. Yeah. really only and one I'm, sweater. And I'm still mad anywhere. about you guys not going for that puzzle. <sighs> Were there any other puzzles or any other content that you wanted to put in but you couldn't? Well, there's those three kids, Razor, right. Chester, and... Moonglow. Moonglow. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't make it in. Um... That was okay. That set of kids was always sort of designed to be pared down. Like, I mean, we worked hard to, like, let's get six interesting kids, but somehow I think we always understood we weren't going to get them all. It was like the, the standard pitch process was explain the game to all the other project leaders, and then they would sort of go mm, ask a few questions, and then they would, they would say, okay, um, cut three characters in five rooms, and you're good to go. Hmm. And so we put in some extra Because that's like when you go to a flea market and, you, and someone tells you the price for something, and if you buy it for that price, you're just a sucker. <laughs> yeah. So you have to like say, can you take $3 off? So the other project had to say, take out three characters. Yeah, it was just, yeah. That was just how... But it was a scam because all we did was rename the characters. Remember we, we combined some characters. We combined, we had um, the guy who's cold and the guy who has a log and the fireplace, the fire building guy. And then we also had George Washington and John Hancock and Thomas Jefferson, and we just like mushed them all together. Yeah. <sighs> take that. The, the take scene that. Is better. The scene is it's, it's better. It's more focused. It is. It works. Well, it doesn't look much like a Congress Thank goodness anymore. They made a if we had if we had six people in that room, it might actually look a little more like a, a Congress of constitutional Congress. That does remind me. Did you guys have the idea of having George Washington be like having a Thurston Howell voice and um, Hamilton having um, sort of the Woody Allen type? I think not initially. Or is that like in the booth, like when, someone when just figuring it out? Casting, um, these were all like people who did cartoon voices, and they were constantly doing impressions. And I, I, I think a lot of them were just coming from the actors of yeah. like, here are some impressions that I know. Hmm. Uh, I, I didn't think coming, me. I was I almost against it because they were some of them are like doing a Woody Allen voice is just such a like a campy thing that I, I don't think I think I would have been against it. But I started to see the value later on of like just going the extra mile to make all your characters sound different. You know, like, like okay, well, at least if we, if we do have that Woody Allen guy, there's only one guy who sounds like that, and it's unique. And It also, uh, 
in, in, at least in that case, and probably in a lot of them, uh, sets up a lot of stuff about the character really fast without yeah. having to actually say anything or do anything. You just hear his voice and you go, oh, I, I know that guy. He's, he's from New York. He's kind of anxious <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's a lot that doesn't mm-hmm. need to be said about mm-hmm. him. Marty, any, anything else? Yeah. Um, like we talked about uh, at the beginning that the inspirations for uh, Hoagie and then later on Eddie in uh, Brutal Legend came from kind of the same place. Uh, I noticed two things that I, I might be looking way too far into it, but calls to Psychonauts. Um, those are, uh, there's, uh, in the present, there's a room with the painting of the dogs playing poker, Whoa. which uh, obviously comes back in Black Velvetopia. Mm-hmm. And then there's uh, the attic in the future uh, looks uh it pretty much has the exact same vibe as Mia's dance party. Oh, hmm. crazy! Yeah, um, yeah. Of course, we planned all that out. Yeah, well, well, advanced, this is the only right? two, the only two instances of dogs <clears throat> playing poker I think ever. Yes. that picture was created. Like Hoagie, and the, and I think um, most of those things can be explained by just certain people liking certain, certain things, things all throughout mm. their careers. I think like Peter Chan probably drew that that attic in the future, and he drew Mia's dance party. Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, I like heavy metal roadies, and, and um, the thing about the uh, dogs playing poker, I think I just like dogs playing poker. I don't think I put the dog, I mean, I didn't suggest the dogs playing poker in that room. Everybody but thinks that's funny. A lot of times you see it, yeah, and who, doesn't, who doesn't like it? No one's taking yeah. the position of, like, I dislike, no one's ever put that as, like, a turn off dogs playing poker. Let's face it, it's hot. So... <laughs> It's it's a, but the embarrassing thing is you liked it then you kind of forget about it for years and then it comes time for another idea and you pull out that same idea and then someone points it out to you as like hey you used that same idea twice like yeah I meant to do that it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a reference it's a homage to myself uh, there is a reference that um, there was a line about there was a line in um, oh well that, there was a line about um, Ben Throttle being related to Hoagie. Loosely, in that he said, like, my mom needed my full name is Ruben. We're all named after sandwiches. Uh, (laughs) Do we ever ever learn Hoagie's real name or his last name? I don't. Is he just sort of a share type prima donna? Did we ever say his last name? I think Bernard Bernoulli. You made that up. He wasn't in Maniac Mansion. And then Laverne DeFazio. (laughs) No, that's not her name. Does she have a last name? No. It's probably. I don't remember it, though. They're like, you know, Cher. They don't I was trying to remember if we ever said Hoagie's band name, because I always think of it as being Megabreath, but I couldn't find that anywhere. <laughs> I couldn't find proof of that on the internet anywhere. Remember? Megabreath? There's a poster on the back yeah. of Green Tentacle's door that I just assumed was Hoagie's band, because that's like the only reference to a heavy metal band in the Green game. Green has a band. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... What's that band called? Gr- Green Tea and the Sushi Platter. Green Tea and the Sushi Platter. <laughs> I just played it. I just played it. <laughs> I just, yeah. I'm not crazy. Uh, so Monkey Island 1, Monkey Island 2, and Day of the Tentacle all end with a sort of the same idea where you're being chased by the antagonist. And it's Once again, we only have just one bag of tricks. <laughs> yeah. um, I want to know, is that your way of giving adventure gamers some sort of action? Because um, after Day of the Tentacle, each adventure game from LucasArts would have its own sort of like action minigame. I know Fate of Atlantis had fighting in it, but that was sort of optional, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, Was that your way of saying, okay, here's a more fast-paced action scene instead of just like being allowed to poke around and click at your own you know, pace? Yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, the thing I always, one thing I'm always really nervous about is that adventure games, how do they end? Because... You know, it's, a, it's okay in the middle and beginning of the game to be, oh, I'm dragging a key onto a lock, I'm dragging this sandwich onto this thing, do this. But should the last, like, to have the last action of an entire adventure game be just you drag one object onto another object always felt really anticlimactic to me. Yeah, you want to so, kind of up the up Yeah, the you want to up the tension, let everyone know, hey, it's ending, it's ending. 
Everybody get yeah. pay attention. <laughs> You've been asleep for a while. So Things are wake exciting up. now. Yeah, I know they exciting. weren't for the last thirty five hours, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I you know playing it again, I did enjoy. I enjoyed that in Monkey One. I think that um, worked. I hadn't played that in years, but the way that like Chuck is ruthlessly pounding you all over the island and chasing you, like I actually felt like, yeah. oh God, I got to take care yeah, of this and situation. And you know, if you actually like sit back and think about what's going <clears throat> on, then the, the situation. Yeah, because you could walk you, away from the PC, like, and nothing yeah, would happen. I could go get a sandwich, and yeah. I would come back. And but it feels like I got to take care of this. It's a little too hard in Monkey Two. Playing that again, I was like, ah, I can't even remember these puzzles. And this whole thing about the dime and the floor and the uh, helium and all that stuff, like I couldn't. And and every time I thought I figured it out, he would just show up, and I was getting really actually scared of him because he's really. Ah! I know that's the Chuck. great thing about that is it makes you actually scared when yeah. LeChuck shows up on screen because he's about hard. to demolish the progress that you've made. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only so time where time. It's only one of the only times where time matters in either one of those games, right? Yeah. Everything else is um abstract time, but all of a sudden you actually have to get up and do stuff. But like Dave said, you don't really have to get up and do anything. Mm -hmm. yep. Well, I'm all out of questions unless Marty has any to add. Uh, as a kid, part of me always hoped that the mansion was designed after something in real life, or at least inspired after something in real life. And then once I moved to the Bay Area, I really hoped <laughs> that it was uh, modeled after something. Well, our, ours was modeled after the Maniac Mansion mansion, wasn't it? Or was it? Did we model anything else? Right? <laughs> Peter just drew it. He might have. I mean, the outside has windows and doors. Mm -hmm. I've seen that. Like that. Um, I think... I mean, Ron would point out that the library manic mansion was inspired by George's library, right? right? The spiral staircase that you yep. can't go up. This is out of order. <laughs> <laughs> that was from George's library on the, in the Skywalker Ranch. Maybe it was all based on Skywalker Ranch. It has 13 bedrooms and 15 fireplaces. Yeah. So count the number in <laughs> Maniac Mansion and you'll find out. I've been on that tour many times. It's 13 bedrooms and 15 fireplaces. <laughs> I guess my last question is, was there any concern about um, staying true to the original or did Ron give you his blessings saying go whatever direction you want? Because in the game, it's explained away by a line. It's like, oh, the game that you played is based on actual events, but that's not, you know, a real thing, I guess, in the game's world. So, Well, I mean, Ron had a decency to leave, right? It would <laughs> have been awkward if he had stuck it. around because <laughs> he stuck around for the beginning when we were nervous and like needed some guidance and then he had a decency to leave. Hmm. Like any... Uh, Neglectful father. <laughs> oh wow! Dad, <laughs> yeah. no, my dad stole my house. Anyway. I mean, there, there there is a certain uh, uh, devotion to existing canon in there. Yeah, I don't think uh, we tried to act. That comes we... from us, though, really, because I remember Kelly Flock specifically saying, "So, I know this is a, this is a sequel to Maniac Mansion, but it's been you know five years or whatever, and and." Uh, the the look is kind of outdated now, and technology is different, and games are different, and just make a good game. Basically, what he said. Yeah, I mean, I think definitely we would have gone out of our way to make sure we stayed true to the characters and stuff that happened, but we didn't use. I mean, we used the the Edisons, and I think we kept them in character. Mm -hmm. They stayed the same way they were in and the Bernard. first. Bernard's definitely mm -hmm. still, I think, the same guy. Bernard's the same guy. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't go out of our way to incorporate the themes of, like, aliens or anything, but it was kind of a loosey-goosey, like, anything goes kind of world in a way. Yeah. Nuclear reactors in the, in the pool and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, and there wasn't the whole uh, kind of Chuck Jones cartoon vibe to yeah. the original. Like that yeah, so I don't think the artist cares at all about the first game, really, if you look at the art and the animation. They, didn't, they never even booted it up, probably. <laughs> they were not gamers. Okay. <laughs> they never played Maniac Mansion, I bet. They didn't know what they were working on. We it's knew, like, yeah. It's they, a fabric sculpture? What's happening? <laughs> I don't think Peter Chan has played most of the games he's worked on. Right? I we would believe that. that if you said it. <laughs> I you just, just did. did. So I, I just did, it. so believe it. 
But he means he means he wishes them all well. He has no malice towards games. Lots of you know, I mean, lots of actors won't watch their own movies. Same for right. Peter. He'd rather be out chopping wood and feeding his pigeons or the <laughs> naturalist. Do we Peter talk Chan secrets. We... I think so. Uh, before I wrap up, I just want to thank. Uh, Tim and Dave again for coming in. Like I said, I've been thinking about doing this for a long time, and only recently have I started asking. You know, so uh, did you thanks. actually? Did you learn anything about Daily Tentacle? I learned a lot, and I'm oh, sure this will be cited on many a Wikipedia article about Peter Chan's pigeons <laughs> and uh, pigeons, chickens, chickens. chickens. Okay, yeah. chickens. They, they, God. they climb up the steps into the treehouse. I've heard they that's adorable. <laughs> now so, Dave can pitch The Walking Dead. <laughs> we'll get to that so contact okay. info uh, if you want to check out our show on twitter we are at retronauts r-e-t-r-o-n-a-u-t-s um i am bob servo on twitter b-o-b-s-e-r-v-o and i'll have our guests give out their twitter info marty uh i am at mcbiggity two g's and two t's mcbiggity 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 mac so dave and tim twitters dave and tim dot com dot net i am tim of legend on twitter and everything and I am at Phrenopolis with the P-H-B-H-R-E-N-O-B-O-L-I-S. Awesome. So please subscribe to our blog. That's oneupblogs.com slash retronauts or R-E-T-R-O-K-N-O-T-S dot com. We do a blog post for each episode, a track listing for all the music you hear, and we have lots of other great posts unrelated to the podcast. And as always, please leave us a review in the iTunes Music Store, especially for this episode, because we have two great guests. I think it's one of the best ones we've done so far. So plugs, I'm going to say just please read one up, uh, and it's an awesome site, and we bring you cool content like this. Marty. Uh, to to appease both of you, we uh, <laughs> reviewed The Walking Dead as a, as a group review last week, Ooh, and I am awkward. writing a preview of the cave right now. Ooh, the cave. Look at that! It's uh, got some Maniac Mansion jokes in it too. Does it really? Nice. Well, not enough to get um, Dukas to sue us. Dukas. The Walking Dead has no Maniac Mansion jokes. Gutless. Why do you hate the fans, Dave? <laughs> Dave and Tim, anything, any projects to plug? I know you guys are working on many a thing. Uh, very, very soon. The Maniac, um, Middle Manager of Justice is coming out, our first mobile mm. game. Superhero management game. Did I tell you about that? It's really good. You'd like it. Yeah. Do you know when that's coming out? Uh, let's see. Can I, yeah, it's coming out, I want to say, um, Thursday. Wait, let me check. And then... Because <laughs> um, the fake came out no, a I'm getting, No, I'm getting confused with um, uh, Connect Party, which is launching December... 18th and it's going to be part of a promotion where it's actually going to be free for a limited time. Ooh. I can say that, right? Yeah, you can't it's going to be free. I think I think Mick Janelson already tweeted Yeah, it was that. a new start. Then. But yeah, Connect Party is going to be free and it's awesome and kids will love it and Manage Justice uh, which will be game of the year next year. Well, it did come out this year so it might still... Yeah. Might get it. Yeah. Might. Awesome. Dave, anything you want to plug? Uh, well, if you haven't uh, downloaded and played Telltale's Walking Dead game yet... Uh, you should, or you can get it in stores as of uh, as of today. I think we all we all went up wholeheartedly approve. Yes, yes, absolutely. and congratulations on the award. Yeah, uh, yeah. thanks. Yeah, absolutely, awesome. Yeah. So, guys, poem of the week. What about poem of the week? <laughs> poem of the and, week. And read the poem of the week uh, at Phrenopolis.com. Awesome. So, guys, thanks a lot for joining us, and we'll see everyone else again before Christmas sometime later. Thank you for having us. Thanks.